Welcome to another episode of The Shredder Show, and today I've got the pleasure of having a great friend, Jonathan, who I just trained with over in Marbella. So Jonathan is, I'm not going to try and pronounce your surname, I'll get you to pronounce it in a minute, is the uh, number one uh, trainer in Sweden, uh, awesome all-round guy, has got great physique and phenomenal trainer. What is your surname before I try and make a hash of trying to pronounce this? It's actually Fogelby. Yes, that's why I didn't try and pronounce it. <laughs> um, so uh, before we begin, for anyone to find out more information about you, Jonathan, what, what's your social pages, some information about you? Uh, both Instagram and Facebook is Jonathan Fogelberg, my, my whole name. Uh, simple as that. Uh, so you can find, out, find me there. Easy peasy. So what we're going to go through today, I want to try and make this educational and helpful for people. So what we're going to do is we're going to go, Jonathan's going to go, I'm going to go, and we'll go through the five things you need to focus on for fat loss because that's what majority of most people are trying to struggle with. So as if a client first came to us, what's the first thing we would look at trying to address? So then listening to this podcast, you can have some takeaway knowledge that will try and help you. And then if you have any other questions, feel free to follow up with me on Instagram or Facebook if anyone has any others, or uh, message Jonathan on Instagram and Facebook as well, and we can run through anything else. So if I pass it over to you, Jonathan, what would be the first thing that you would look at when a client comes to you and their primary goal is to lose body fat? Uh it's pretty simple. I think the first thing we look at is uh, make sure they are in a calorie deficit uh, to make sure they don't eat more than they uh, take or that they burn more than they take in, actually. Because uh, we want to know, like, if you're not in a calorie deficit, you, you really can't lose weight. So that's probably the first key factor to really get nail on. And after that, maybe, yeah, you, you can look into like macros. But the first thing is just calorie in, calorie out. Uh, I will look into that. What would you say is the big mistake people make with that? Uh, probably they, they underestimate how, how much they, or, or they, they, they don't move as much as they think and they, they eat more than they think. Um, you can have like people come to me and say, I eat 2,500 calories. Then you uh, tell them to write everything down for like a week. What they eat is most like 1,000 calories more or something like that. Uh, so they eat more than I think. I think it's one of those things statistically, I think it's showing that people actually are eating 25 to 30% more calories when they think they are, even when they are tracking because people just aren't very accurate at it. Um, yeah. Which obviously that is like a compounding effect. If you're eating 20% more every single day, I think that has a big effect. And one of the things which I think is interesting you mentioned as well is about um, movement because something that i think is really common which i get a lot of people to track using like an aura ring or people use fitbits it's like their general activity levels so for example someone could be coming towards an end of a diet and i know you work with a lot of the competitors and for example they're starting to get tired and maybe their fat loss is stalled so you reduce their calories so maybe 200 calories a day for example and because they're tired they end up moving less they do for example four or five thousand less steps a day and that basically just balances out their energy balance anyway. So the calories you've taken away has made no difference because they're actually burning less on a daily basis. Um, is that something you see quite a lot? Yeah, it's very common. Like in the end of a prep, like if we talk for competitors, but, but even for normal people, uh, we all know like getting into really low body fat is pretty hard. Um, and the lower you get, like the more tired you also get. Uh, and I used to see people like they move less just to like chill out and then when you as you said like when you reduce calories and they by themselves without telling you reduce their activity it's still the same like the balance is, is still there so it, it's a common mistake to to start to move less uh when, when things get hard 
it is a good question. Like this is the million dollar question. What would be what would you look at when someone's checking in, for example, and then they they aren't making progress, but on paper they should be? Would that be really just nailing down if they are actually sticking to like tracking things as they should be? Uh, if it's competitors, uh, yes. Uh, I do think like if they hire me for a competition, they're gonna go up on stage and like show their body to other people. I do think the majority actually do measure the food and stuff like that. But I, I used to uh, tell them to send a print of their average steps because sometimes there's a, some lies in there. Uh, and they tell me that they move more than they do. So I said, okay, let's take a print for the last week and send it to me. And, and then we can see from there. And most of the time, that's, that's where the problem is. Do you find it's worse for men or for women? Who, who's the biggest liar? Men, 100%. <laughs> Yeah, but actually girls, it's almost opposite. Like they, they tell me they do 60 minutes of cardio, they do, do 90. But like guys, they don't want to turn flat and they don't want to lose size. So yeah, it's like they do, yeah, they do 45 instead of 60. That's, uh, that's fascinating. And I think that goes down to one of the biggest things when it comes to coaching <clears throat> and why coaching is so valuable is because it's um, managing people's psychologies and their mindset because no matter how advanced someone is, they're not a robot. And I think that's where it's important to have someone like you or me in their corner to really nail people down, if that makes sense, mm. in a good way. Yeah, exactly, and keep them accountable for, for what they're doing. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I think that covers energy balance and calorie deficit pretty well, to be fair. Mm. Um, I'm going to go, the, num the number two thing I'm going to talk about would be training intensity. And I don't know why it's the first thing that comes to my head is your silly video on Instagram of taking piss out of influencers, like drinking <laughs> knocko cans whilst on the adductor machine and pissing around. Like, um, so if anyone hasn't seen, if you go over to your, uh, Jonathan's Instagram, there's a highly amusing video of him mocking uh, Instagram influencers. And there's a lot of them there in my there where Jonathan's living at the moment. Um, so I would say training intensity is probably the other big tool that people don't really like maximize in particular i think maybe more general population clientele i think obviously you work with a lot of the competitors i think that's less common but the worst most frustrating thing i see is when people cut sets super short so a really good way for anyone listening to this is like if for example you're doing a tricep press down as an example if your first rep is the same speed as your last rep you probably had another five reps there. if you just stop because you did 10 or 12 or whatever you're supposed to do which is what a lot of people do like that is almost pointless like the way i look at it is with a with an exercise all the sets are all, all the reps sorry are almost a warm-up in the set up until you get to the point where you're starting to fail and that's where you're really going to start to get reaping the benefits like the longer you can stay in that sort of hurt zone where it's it's shit and it suffers that you suffer a bit the um the more reward you're going to get out from it from the long side is that something you see is quite common yeah definitely uh like, like it's pretty easy, I think, when you're eating a surplus of calories, and you're feeling strong, you have a lot of energy to keep the intensity high. But uh, as we said, like before, uh, with the calorie deficit, it's, it's almost the same. Like you, you ease up a little bit when, when it's getting harder. And as you said, you, you need to be in that zone where it almost hurts um, to, to really get a lot of out of it. What would you suggest as a practical tip to help people get into that zone? Track and log their training and have a lookbook uh, and make sure like you should not 
what I usually see is like for presses, shoulders and, and chest, first two, three weeks, they, they lose like a little percentage of a strength. But then from there, you should not lose that much. If you're losing that much, something's wrong with your diet or your training too, too, what's it, too soft. I agree. I think um, when anyone's going into a fat loss phase, the first place that I always see myself and with other people is your pressing strength just seems to drop off a cliff a little bit at the beginning and then it steadies out. But I think I always find with... Um, leg and back training i don't really notice much of a difference to be honest with you no i'm the same like maybe some school like the, the heaviest top set in squats or hack squats but but not that much and like deadlifts i never lose strength that, that's pretty weird even on that I'll, but the pressing yeah, for shoulders and chest yeah i lose some strength and i i see that pretty common the other thing i would say to people is um putting their phone away because this is one of my pet hates is people being on their phones all the time in the gym like obviously i film a lot of stuff and i tend but i tend to not use my phone for that or i'll have another phone that i'll do that with because i think that's the worst thing is that people end up getting distracted massively um getting lured into the phone into instagram and like that's all cool if you want to film stuff but then film it and post it later rather than like sitting there on instagram like during your workout posting it. and i just see that and i literally just want to like bang my head against the wall when i see people doing that um that, that's super super frustrating i think that's probably one of the worst things you could do and also from a like nerdy scientific point of view like actually staring into bright screens like down regulates your nervous system so it's not going to help you in terms of like training intensity or focus of what you're there to really do i didn't know that actually but, but yes yeah. i think i learned that from ben Bukowski. He, he loves a, a nerdy <laughs> tip that so yeah that's a that's a simple hack for anyone i to be honest with you, what, 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 I don't think you're going to notice any difference from it. Like, if you look at a screen, you're not something, you're not, you have to do a rep less on an exercise, but it's something to maybe be aware of, do you know what I mean? And yeah. also, it's quite a good thing to threaten people with. Like, you're going to be weaker if you look at the screen all the time. So, put your phone down. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. Hey, yeah, I can imagine. Like, Jonathan, the enforcer, you, you've, got, you've got to black out your screen during training sessions. Um, we'll have it covered. There you go. Um, so, that, that's, I think, is a big one. I think. The training intensity one, well, sorry, get my words out. As well, I would say is a skill. I think training to like an intense level, um, people don't necessarily know the the levels of intensity until they've maybe been pushed very hard by someone. Because if you train on your own all the time, it's very easy to train in your comfort zones. And if you've got someone else there to push you or like a training partner uh, or even just training in a better environment of a better gym, then that makes a big, big difference. Um, interesting question for you, Jonathan. What would you say? Obviously, you trained in a few different gyms. What would you say is the best gym you've trained in? Um, I would actually say this: uh, the Skytech gym in uh, in Budapest is one of the top gyms. Uh, have you been there? No, but Skytech, I, Skytech I Gold, I think. I might be going there. It's in Budapest, Hungary. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Um, also, the Ben, uh, no, what was his name? Uh, Bill Francis, yeah, powerhouse soyas at New York. Yeah, I've been there. Uh, I've been at a gold gym, uh, Venice, but it's more like because it's a gold gym, Venice. Yeah, uh, nostalgia. But, but, yeah, yes, probably. Uh, we have some good gyms in in Sweden too. Here in Spain, I have not really trained at some super super gym. Like here, are okay gyms, but not super super. Yeah, there's nothing like. I find that the gyms in Spain are like UP is good, but I find it there's a lot of them are a bit soulless. Like I find it a bit difficult to get myself like super amped up, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, it makes I mean, sense. I think it's because it's hot and it's sunny. I'm like, I just want to go sit by the pool or on the beach. 
Yeah. It's that yeah, Spanish man yellow lifestyle. <laughs> exactly. Well, what's the best human been? Uh, I knew you were going to ask that now. I, I don't think there's really one that really stands out. I like different ones with different things. I think I like UP in Marbella. I think it's quite cool. I like Banu's gym in Dubai. It's got quite a cool atmosphere, to be fair. Um, yeah, that's true. And that's then good. I like Max and Agle probably for equipment in Dubai. It's probably my favorite gym to actually train in because it's super empty. It's really clean. Um, so it'd be probably a combination of those. I've been to some pretty cool gyms in the US, like um, Powerhouse in Columbus. So actually, MI, to be fair, in terms of equipment, MI40 in Tampa, like Ben Picolsi's gym, is probably the best gym you're ever going to go to. But again, like when I trained in there, it was like me, my mate Ryan Crowley, and like maybe three other people in there. So again, it's a little yeah. bit soulless at times because it's quite quiet. Um, I think it's that happy medium of gyms. You almost need to have some people in there, but like not too many sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you need, you need to feel like the energy from others like training hard then it's easier to like just step up for yourself. 100%. So I think a big point that from talking about training is like you're a product of your environment and where you are makes a big, big difference. Um, yeah. So that's, that's what I would say. Uh, what's your, off we're going off topic a little bit, what's your protocol with clients in terms of if they aren't doing comp prep with like refeed meals and cheat meals and things like that? Are you pretty stringent with them in that respect? Uh, I give them like two to three meals a week. Uh, I call them like social meals. Uh, yeah. You can have like a lunch with your coworkers, or like you can have a dinner with your spouse or family, friends, whatever. So, so I think like if you're not in, in a contest prep, there should be space for like three meals without the plan is getting like, what's it, without it's not working. Uh, so usually two to three meals, uh, depending on like, usually like it takes four to six weeks to start to learn a client and how, how they eat and what their sheet meals or free meals is based off. Uh, so someone can get away with like eating like maybe three, four because they're not going overboard with, uh, and some people just go nuts, this pizza, Ben and Jerry's and everything like for three hours to put down 5,000 calories or something. Uh, so for those people, maybe we limit it to two, but between two and four, some people can have four, but then it's clean refeeds like, I think one of the important things for people to learn, though, is that, like, say the whole Domino's and Ben and Jerry's pizza thing that got very popular, I think, for a while, probably because of social media. I don't know if that was the same as Sweden, yeah. but that was, like, really popular for a while. Yeah, it was. I think it's um, how crap you feel the next day is really what you want to make people aware of because, like, yeah. it was almost like a food hangover, and that's not really what you want to, like, want to do. And there's no way that anyone can tell me, like, like that's going to aid in terms of training performance or anything. I was listening to... um watching one of Larry Wheels' videos the other day, and he was with uh, Juan Morel. Um, and he was saying that he want, he used to do 40,000 calories in a day, like cheat days. I was like... Yeah, I've seen some videos from his cheat days. He's like, it's disgusting. He, he actually did it. Like, <laughs> I, legit, I believe it. It's not bullshit. But like, there's no way you can tell me that that's beneficial. Like, no, no. Uh, just like the inflammation in your body from that. and just shows how genetically gifted some people are. They can get away with that. Yeah, yeah. But we, I don't know if you had that in the UK a couple of years ago, but we had it in Sweden, like when Rich Piana like went big on social yeah, media yeah. and he had this, like he was taking a protein shake and a Ben and Jerry's every night. And we have like bodybuilders here, like they're gaining up, but just getting slubby fat. Uh, but then we're eating Ben and Jerry's and have a whey shake every night before bed, just because Rich Piana had it. And he was like, eat big, get big. Yeah. Uh, that, that, this is like, I know we're on the same wave because we always like slag off influence for people. Not that Rich Piana was necessarily influenced, mm -hmm. but I suppose he was. Is the fact that like, 
people do so much dumb stuff because they see other people do it. And then it's like, if you just use to critically, like learn to critically think for yourself, why would be eating a tub of be- like ice cream before going to bed be a good idea? Like, <laughs> exactly. It's not going to help for building muscle or for burning body fat other than probably making you diabetic and making you like fatter. So, um, yeah, that's a terrible idea. I, I don't know if Sweden's as badly manipulated by the social media as the UK, probably, I guess. Yeah, I think probably they are. It, it is horrendous. Like the other thing is, and obviously you'll be the same on this, is people doing like super dumb exercises that don't actually do anything. It's yeah. um, really, really common. Like, like the plate chest press raises and like, like the women's ones are pretty bad as well. There's a lot of silly like exercises with bands and things. Yeah. Uh, I actually have a clip just going up on uh, Instagram tonight with just three like normal influencer exercises not to do if you want to build glutes. Uh, but often it's like for guys, it's like chest, like it's stupid exercises, like sitting on the side and oh, like, or do, doing this uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. plate press. I filmed all of these exercises because they're literally like the <laughs> dumbest thing ever. Like, why would you sit on a chest press machine sideways and then do it with one hand? Like, <laughs> if that was better, they would probably have designed the machine that way. Like, do you know exactly, what I mean? exactly. Um, so, so I, I say, like, for, for guys actually in Sweden, it's like there is the chest movement that is tried to like reinvent, uh, and for girls, it's the it's the glutes. Yeah, that's uh, that's um, yeah. Be warned. I look forward to seeing this video. Um, if we go on to the, the next question, so you've done calorie deficit first as the first thing to look mm-hmm. at and energy balance. I've done training intensity. What are you going to go mm-hmm. for, for number three? Uh, I actually have some notes here uh, before. Uh, and one thing I often say to, to my clients for the first two weeks uh, that they like often like react to is like eat like a dog the first two weeks. Uh, by that, I mean, like, eat the same food at the same time, the same amount for two weeks. Then we can see, like, where you actually are uh, with your calories and stuff like that. And from there, you can add in, like, different type of foods and how you want to eat. But I, I say for the first two weeks to, to get a good start and to really see where you're at, eat like a dog. Uh, and when I tell people like that, it's like, what do you mean, eat like a dog? I, I, I was going to make a joke there. If you actually, this is a question. If you actually told people to put in a dog's bowl, would they eat it? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so some competitors might might be. <laughs> I, I had someone once ask me. Um, someone asked one of our Facebook groups for I think it was for our Shred and Eight program, saying, "Is it dangerous to be eating raw eggs because I've been eating all the eggs raw in and Brazil? They have salmonella in them." And I was like, "Why are you eating them raw? Like, why don't you just cook the egg?" Like, it's like sometimes. Please, please use some common sense, people. Like, if you have on your meal plan, yeah. like salmon, it doesn't. It means it's cooked. Like, you don't eat the salmon raw like, <laughs> or chicken breast. Like, it's although if you got food poisoning from chicken breast, it would be a quick way to lose weight. Not I'd recommend it. That's true, effective, but maybe not. <laughs> the uh, eat like a dog is a, is a good a good analogy. But I think what's good about that, what's important about that, and what that really reemphasizes is the the number one thing is consistency, particularly from like mm-hmm. a coach's point of view. And I had this I had this conversation with a client earlier on, and it's like, unless you're being consistent with things, we can't make changes because we don't really know what's going on. You're just guessing. And it's the same with like you can't change everything at the same time because then you don't really know what's working. And I think that's one of the things that people sometimes find difficult is they expect things to be changed every three days, every week or whatever. And it's like 
realistically your body likes routine and like structure and you probably need to give it a week or two before changing anything yeah true i don't know if you if you see it this way also but uh, also often when i work with girls they tend to do like maybe have them do two three weeks with the same amount before you can actually see some changes before i feel like girls bodies are like reacting slower than men uh i don't know if you agree i i agree with that i think um the reason i would probably hazard a guess at that no scientific reason why would just be it's almost like a lag effect if that makes sense almost like nothing happens nothing happens and a bang i think it's partly because they're smaller than men probably let's say the guess my, my wife 50 percent of the weight of me so like you could hypothetically say then that we've got twice as much tissue that can then mm. be manipulated so maybe we can um respond faster to things because we've got more muscle more fat and there's more variables that are, can will look like it's moving more drastically and obviously i think obviously with women's hormonal cycles that obviously has an effect as well so i think that probably could also have a delay in it but I, I would say I would agree that's something I, I think I see. I think that um, the initial stages with women tends to be slower, but I think probably from like week four to six, it almost suddenly accelerates quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. 100% agree. Um, I think that's probably the golden window for a lot of people. I don't know if you find the same, but I think a lot of people get a bit frustrated maybe, particularly if they've got a lot of body fat to lose, that the first two, three weeks, if you've got, if you're, plus 15% body fat, like you going from 17% body fat to 15% body fat, you're not really going to look that different. But if you go no. 15 to 13 or 13 to 11, like that's like a night and day difference. It'll be a massive jump mm. in terms of how you look visually. Mm. Yeah. And you can also see like uh, people that have a lot to lose, like they can lose fat pretty quick, but the skin is like not tightening up uh, in the same speed. So there's like a window also, almost for competitors when we push them really hard. That's like the fat is burned, but but the skin is still there. So like the skin needs like two three more weeks before you can actually see the results from the fat loss. Yeah, I think it's a again, it's almost like that lag effect I was talking about a minute ago. Mm, yeah. So I think that's that's a really good point. Um, the next one I'm going to go on to. So you've done uh, obviously eating like a dog is, is an interesting one. So that's consistency. <laughs> Uh, number four, I'm going to go for is sleep. So I think this is probably one of the big things that we really look at in terms of clients. And that's essentially um, where we spend a third of our life doing is sleep. And I think a lot of people really overlook this, um, in particular in terms of having really broken sleep, having caffeine too late at night. And when we sleep, like thousands of metabolic processes are happening. And it's really important we try and optimize this for recovery um, and also reducing cortisol and stress levels in the body. An interesting example of like when I think you can see how influential um, sleep and stress together, I guess, are in terms of fat loss. It's like when you see clients go on holiday, they sleep more and they're more relaxed and they actually come back and they're leaner because they're not stressed as much. They're actually sleeping more. Um, and obviously when we sleep, we have our natural growth hormone production increases, testosterone production um, in men is very, very important. So I think optimizing sleep is a huge one. Um, do you have anything you use with your clients specifically to try and focus on that? Um, I totally agree. First of all, uh, that is probably one of the most uh, underestimated things with the fat loss phase, actually sleep. Uh, but usually, I, I, I tend to tell them, uh, I tend to tell them like no screen time, uh, like the, the hour before, like try to have it dark, like sleep cold, uh, no like information going in from like 
TV or scrolling down Instagram or something uh, to really relax the last hour before they go to sleep. Uh, then they tend to like hit the deep sleep early on, recover better. Because uh, I have a lot of I have a lot of clients that when it gets closer and closer to a show, like the sleep gets worse and worse and worse. Uh, and there you can see a, a huge difference if they really like relaxed hour before, even if they can't sleep, they just like turn the lights off and no screen and sort of stuff like that. That helps. 100%. I think um, one golden gem that I would add in, in particularly for, particularly as a terrible English, in particular for um, bigger guys and something that's helped me a lot is using nasal strips when you sleep. Because a lot of people, when they lie on their back or the side, um, if you're a bigger guy, they struggle to breathe through their nasal cavity. So they end up mouth breathing, which has a very negative effect in terms of you actually getting uh, restorative sleep and also has a very negative effect in terms of your blood pressure. So um, a lot bigger guys tend to have higher blood pressure, which again is going to, like if you think about how the body works, our cardiovascular system underpins everything, so including the muscular system. So if that's compromised, that's obviously going to compromise your ability to burn body fat or build muscle mass so you being able to get your blood pressure down a little bit will help and this is a really easy way to do that and the reason for that is that things like 75 percent of your nitric oxide production comes via your nasal cavity when you breathe uh, through your nose so if you're not breathing through your nose you're um, missing out a lot of this which is going to have a big impact in terms of um, vasodilation and getting your blood vessels to relax and then reduce your blood pressure more so i think a lot of bigger guys their bodies are in like a super stressed state because they're never actual na- they're never actually nasal breathing. They're always breathing through their mouth also when they're asleep. So um, anyone listening to this, if you wake up in the morning and you always wake up with a dry mouth, that's probably why. So I would try, uh, I think breathe easier the ones I use on nasal strips, but it makes a big, big difference. That's a secret hack. I tried that myself. Yeah, it's, it's really, really good. Um, Honestly, that's a game trip. That one. And the other thing, I'm a bit of a weirdo. I think it's like, I, I'm supposed to live in like a, a bat cave or something. But I um I can't I can't sleep with any light like at all. I have to have like complete darkness. Um, so in Sweden you only have like six hours of light in the winter, right? Yeah, something yeah, like that. So, so it's that, that's probably quite easy at the time. But uh, even like the, the standby lights on computer on like TVs and stuff in bedrooms, I have to yeah. block off. Um, so what I do is I use what's called a, like a manta sleep mask. It's like a like eye goggle thing oh. that makes a massive difference in terms of sleeping. Yeah, that, that helps. But ha, ha, do you take any supplements, stuff like that for sleep? You believe in those like GABA, melatonin? Um, so I do. I've used a couple of different ones. So one, this is actually interesting to be fair. So there's one, there's two different ones I use, both from supplement needs, needs uh, and they're both designed by Dr. Dean, who's a genius. And the first one is called the PM Priming Stack, which is basically designed to reduce cortisol and help your body relax and get into more relaxed mood. Now, since I came back from Marbella seeing you, the I've taken that and I have had like the trippiest dreams ever, like the weirdest shit, like proper like oh, creepy shit. stuff. Um, so I think that's like my REM sleep for me, like going through a roof. I think my aura rings, loving life, saying how recovered I am. So that's one thing I use as a PM priming stack from Supplement Needs, and then the other one which I haven't used for a while is the sleep stack from them, which basically has all of those sort of things like um, 5-HTP, uh, melatonin magnesium like zinc all these other things to help sleep so i think um they do help i don't think they're a necessity and i tend to use them in phases if that makes sense yeah it makes sense i think um sometimes if you use something all the time 
your body just gets used to it and then it doesn't have quite the same effect which is why i think when i was in spain i wasn't taking this pm priming stack stuff and then when i came back it then i think my body was just tripping out almost at night which was quite cool <laughs> in a weird way <laughs> yeah but I, I, I agree um so that would be my one covered on sleep and then the last one over to you last one is actually uh a common mistake, one of the most common mistakes maybe, uh, in the beginning of, of a prep, people start, or even with diets, like you know, everyone's gonna lose like their 10 pounds, 20 pounds, they're gonna make it quick. They start with too much cardio. I usually tend to say to people like, start without cardio or as little as possible you can get away with, but still using doing results. Like, cause there's, you, you need to understand that if you start with like two hours of cardio a day, sometimes you're going to get used to that and then you need to go up to three hours and then there so start the diet or your conscious prep whatever your fat loss phase with as little cardio as possible as you can get away with that is probably the golden rule and that's one of the things i find um a lot of people get people are excited which is awesome so like when people want to start they're like yeah, yeah, yeah i want to get shredded yeah. i want to lose all this weight i want to like look insane they were like, yeah. oh, why am I not doing cardio yet? Why am I eating so much mm. food? Like, yeah. it's like, whoa, sl slow down, like, Padawan. Yeah. Time will come, just like, wait. Like, you, you won't be saying this in like, in like two, three months' time. Um, particularly for people who are doing contest prep. Like, once you've done it once, you know that you, you don't want to be starting doing loads out the gate because it's, um, you can incrementally add these things in, but once they're in, you can't really take them out. Um, and the way I look at it is like, you're using all the weapons you have available to you at one go, whereas you yeah. want to incrementally add things in rather than like throw the kitchen sink at it. And then, okay, you might drop weight quicker for three weeks. But then when you hit a wall, what are you going to do when you're already doing two hours cardio? Are you going to do three hours? Like, exactly. <laughs> it, it just gets to the point of where you, you can't take people's calories down lower and you can't keep increasing cardio. It just doesn't work. No, exactly. No, so it's like you said, they're so excited and they want to like go all in from the beginning, but no, it's not that for two, two good results. Yeah, I think um, patience isn't something people necessarily have so much now, not in a condescending point of view, but like the world we live in is like instant gratification, it's um, social media, all the other stuff, and people want like results yesterday. And yes, you can get results quickly, but what people end up doing is they try and run before they can walk and they shoot themselves in the foot because they can only really go like 50% of the way and end up making life harder for themselves than it actually needs to be, I think. I think you see any difference here between guys and girls? Um, yeah, I think women are paranoid about eating too much, I think would be the big thing. I think they often, whenever they come to us, oh, I, we can't eat that. I can't eat that much food. It's like, just do it and then they end up losing weight you're like told you so um <laughs> it's always good to say that I yeah, yeah, yeah it's like if you look through this conversation do you see this two weeks ago we were like, oh, this is too much food i was like oh. i might have done this before um and i think that's probably the common thing i'd say with women and i think men is the other way around where they want to try and they think they can eat more than they can sometimes and they also don't in a fat loss phase, I think they wanted to, some of them want to do cardio, but I think some of them, like, I'm a big fan of uh, cardio all year round, just because I think it's important for health and overall composition, where some people don't want to do it. I, like, I try and reinforce the fact, like, your heart is a muscle, and also you being, like, aerobically conditioned will allow you to train harder and therefore build more muscle. I don't know if that's something you come across a bit. 
yeah, I, I do. Uh, I also tend to like push people to do cardio like year round and not maybe cardio for burning fat, but, but because as you said, like it's your muscle and you're going to perform better. Like if you can go harder in the gym, your results will get better. 100%. That's why I'm a big fan of um, even just like hit cardio on rest days. I think it works superbly well. And I also think that there's no doubt in terms of my opinion that I think some cardio will aid in terms of recovery. So like it doesn't have to be intense. Even if you're just walking outside, you could go for a stroll down the beach in Marbella or whatever, and then you can get a tan at the same time um, because of like blood flow. And it's for me, it's just like logic. And the same thing where I'm a big fan of um, things like sports massage, acupuncture, um, like some, a lot of the research says it doesn't make any difference. But then if you think about it with logic, it's like, okay, how, how do muscles repair themselves? They have to have blood flow, the more blood flow we have going around mm-hmm. and they yeah. can probably repair themselves quicker and remove toxins. Yeah. So um, that's the way I try and like think about things. Yeah. I, I, I'm uh, of the same like opinion. Like even if some, some things tell that maybe it's not this way, but with logic it is like, as you said, like with the blood flow, like what, what you do when you like hurt the muscle or like tear or something, you try to get blood in there every day. Just no, no like heavy movements, but get blood in there to heal. Yeah. So it makes sense for me. Yeah, it's just use your brain. I think that's one of the things that people like studies are great, but then I think people need to sometimes learn to interpret um studies and information can be like spun however however anyone wants. And like now with the COVID era, I think that's the greatest time you're ever gonna see examples of that. Um, so I think that's something people need to be aware of. And I think a great example of that is like a lot of research says that like Faster cardio doesn't make any difference in terms of uh, people losing fat faster, like losing fat faster, or like being more effective. What's your opinion with that? Maybe like I'm of the opinion that fasted cardio is good. I like it. I, I try to have my clients do it, uh, but then you have some of clients with uh, there's no like science that proves that it's better doing it faster. I'm like, no, maybe like 60 minutes walk in the same like uh, speed, like now in the, in the afternoon or in the morning, maybe that's not a big difference, but still makes sense to, to, to make it in the beginning. I, I would never like take a meal and then go out for cardio. Like it doesn't make sense to like have a meal and then go for cardio, have a meal and go for the gym and really train. Yeah, it makes sense. But in the morning, have a meal and go out for cardio. No, it makes no sense for me. And the thing is like, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of if you think about um, we aren't robots, we're, we're human beings. So if you think about it from a couple of different ways, firstly, the fact that um, if you do your cardio first thing in the morning, it's already done and you can't come up with any bullshit excuses that you're not going to do it. Also, the fact that you're going to have it further away from your workout. So I personally am definitely not a fan of doing cardio post-workout because if, for example, you've got trained legs and then you know you've got to do 30, 45 minutes of cardio afterwards, I can guarantee you're going to be saving a bit in the tank because you know you have to do that afterwards because uh, then it's going to end up being like a three-hour workout probably which again mm. is going to be super catabolic and you're going to lose tons of muscle mm. so even if this if hypothetically the studies were said it was the same then given that scenario and the scenario for 99 percent of people then faster cardio would be optimal um, and i also mm. think there's a big benefit for people like cognitively just getting it done at the start of the day and like setting themselves up i think has mm. a, a huge amount of benefits to be honest with you yeah, yeah, I'm 100% agree. Uh, and also, like you said, like having cardio uh, not too close to the gym, it's also like that uh, 
uh, how I work with like calories. If if I'm reducing calories, I try to take them as long away from from the training as possible. Uh, I try to not touch the pre and post workout meal. Like so, it makes sense to also have cardio like away from training. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm quite good friends with Emilio Sarchez. I've done a couple of podcasts with him on here, and the, one of the things he talks about a lot is almost like having. Uh, we're probably going to hash this trying to explain it but he basically tries to talk about having like a fat burning zone in the day a maintenance zone during the day and like an anabolic zone during the day so like timing nutrients like carbohydrates around the workout would be like the anabolic time um the maintenance time would just be like protein fats and maybe a minimal amount of carbs and obviously in the morning doing faster cardio would be like the fat burning zone uh and then depending on your diet only having maybe protein or fats afterwards or if you've got a higher carb diet you could have carbs there as well but i think that's Mm -hmm. Again, when you start to think about logically of how the body works, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and Milos, I think, is a guy that like think logic because yeah. many people try to call him out like this is bullshit what you do and everything like he stands for, but it makes sense when you talk about it. Yeah, I um, what I like about Milos is he just tries stuff and like it either works or it doesn't work. Like yeah. some things of his I've tried, like doing creatine he's like a big fan of like pushing creatine super high so like he told yeah. me that he was doing like 40 50 grams a day so i was like uh, like and i recommend people with like five to ten grams max yeah. so i was like oh, all right i'll try i tried 20 grams for like six weeks i yeah. nothing really happened but um yeah it's just it's just an interesting observation it showed up in my blood work that my ck levels were like through the roof so i took it back down after that. <laughs> um so so but yeah it's it, it was real creatine. It obviously worked, but I wouldn't recommend anyone do that. Um, but I think it's taken into context of what you're trying to do, but also thinking about logic. So for example, if he's working with some of the biggest human beings in the world, who might be 250 pounds plus, they're going to have an extra, say for example, 10 kilos of muscle mass on me. Can they get away with an extra 10, 15 grams of creatine and probably need it? Probably yes, because they've got extra muscle tissue. And that's where I think it comes down to like using logic rather than just like, prescribed like uh this study says everyone just needs five grams of creatine a day mm. yeah 100 which i think is a huge amount of truth with um what's your before we finish up what's your opinion on fat burners and fat burning supplements in the market uh it would say like this like the, the things that actually work are not available in the market uh actually not in, not in sweden i don't know the laws in uk i know you have some, some different laws there but in Sweden, like it's caffeine, almost in everyone, and there's some pepper extract to to get you heated up. Uh, and the only it's benefit cas- with like, or something, isn't it? It's called. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like it's pepper extract uh, and caffeine uh, and a bit of green and, tea. Yeah, green tea extract also. Uh, so for sure, maybe the caffeine make you train a little bit harder, a little bit longer, and by that you can maybe burn a little more calories but the supplement itself will not burn the calories for you 100 i uh entirely agree with that and that's one again one of the bs things that gets spread by the supplement industries um like fat burners and stuff like that it's just a load of shit so if you're listening to this don't buy into that the big thing you need is literally just consistency and the, the five things we've just spoken on here so uh we have to try and remember these number one is calorie deficit uh, mm-hmm. Number two was training intensity. Number three, you said it was eat like a dog, which is an interesting way to put it. Um, basically being consistent. I think number four I said was sleep. And then number five, yeah. what did you say for number five? Uh, do as little cardio as possible yeah. in the beginning of prep. Yeah, so I'd say like incrementally add things in and don't try and run mm-hmm. before you can walk. Um, mm-hmm. 
So we'll wrap things up there, Jonathan. That was super helpful and insightful. So really, really appreciate your time. The YouTube video of you and me training will be dropping in the next few days. So when this podcast has gone live, it will be out there. So make sure you go and check it out, guys. Um, make sure you head over to Jonathan's IG and check him out. And if you've got any questions, feel free to fire either of us a message, anything fat loss and muscle building related. And make sure you share this to your stories. And also for one person who shares the stories, I'll be giving a free place on the Shred Nate program. So if you post this, tag it, tag me and Jonathan, and then uh, we'll be announcing the winner in a week's time. So we'll catch up with you in the next episode of The Shredder Show.